0: We'll begin. Thanks, everybody. In the late 1800s here in Ireland, much of the farming was owned by, uh, much of the farming land was owned by absentee uh, landowners who rented to Irish tenant farmers. In 1880, the the harvest wasn't very good and the tenant farmers uh, struggled to pay their rent. They asked for a rent reduction of 25% and the landlord refused. As a result, many tenant farmers were unable to pay their rent that was due on the land. A land manager named Captain Charles Boycott was sent in to evict the Irish tenant farmers who didn't pay their rent. The tenant farmers, in retaliation, decided to take the advice of the leader of the Land League, his name was Charles Stuart Parnell, and completely shun the land manager socially. The community banded together and refused to do business with him altogether, effectively ignoring him and socially ostracizing him. The pub refused to serve him food. The local market uh, wouldn't sell him anything. The the laundry refused to do his washing. The young lad who brought him his mail uh, stopped delivering his parcels. The tenant farmers, through threatening uh, Captain Boycott's employees, even got his workers to stop working for him, and they joined in the shunning. The social ostracizing worked, and Captain Boycott left Ireland a few months later, a broken man. This treatment caught on and was used in a variety of situations and eventually coined the term boycott. In 1888, just eight years later, the word boycott was added to the Oxford English Dictionary with a definition of to withdraw from commercial or social relations with a country, organization, or a person as a punishment or protest. This reminded me of the childhood game that we sometimes play as children uh, called the silent treatment. Maybe some of you have done that. When we're upset at one of our friends or siblings, we completely ignore them, basically pretending that they don't exist to punish them for some wrongdoing. Sometimes this treatment extends into our adult life and can be used when you're angry at a spouse and you want them to suffer for some transgression, although I don't recommend it. If you've ever had this done to you, you know that it is an effective punishment. It hurts to be ignored. It hurts to have connection with someone else withheld. But what if the silent treatment is seemingly coming from God? What if we feel like God is boycotting us and ignoring us by not answering our prayers? Those seasons of silence seem to bring up more questions in our spiritual walk. Did we do something wrong? Is God punishing us by his absence for something that we did? If you've, ever, if you've been a Christian long enough, you, you, uh, chances are you've gone through a season of silence from God and maybe it left you confused or hurt but let's take a step back. Is there more going on during these seasons of silence from God? Is God silent or is that just our perception? Today we're going to be diving into those questions and look at a time when David went through a season of silence from God. Let's look at Psalm 13. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can, we'll be going through verse by verse. The Psalm is attributed to David. Scholars think that perhaps He was running uh, from his life from Saul, who was seeking to kill him, if you remember the story. We aren't sure, and the psalm isn't clear about the exact circumstances, but we do know that David was greatly distressed and felt like God was hiding from him. We can divide the psalm into three distinct parts, the problem, the petition, and the praise. Let's look at the problem, starting in verses 1 and 2. David says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Notice how David gets right to the meat of the problem. How long? He repeats this phrase four times in these two verses How long, O Lord? Here David asks the critical question that every sufferer faces, but notice it's not the lack of answered prayer that distresses David, it's the lack of God or God's apparent absence that really bothers David. When David says, how long will you hide your face from me? He's essentially asking, how long will you withdraw your favor from me? Because of the lack of God's presence, David was deeply depressed and sorrowful. He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? David was suffering from depression because of God's apparent absence from his life in this moment. We all have these moments. We look at a loved one suffering with cancer or a child dealing with a terminal disease or a season of unemployment or financial difficulty or marital issues, and we ask, God, how long? How long will you forget me? When God seems absent, Satan seems near. Now we turn to the petition in verses 3 and 4. David says, "'Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken.'" Here, David turns to God. He knows nothing else but to seek after God in prayer, despite his feelings of utter depression and abandonment. This, in my opinion, is why David was known as a man after God's own heart. When things were bleak, when sin in David's life prevailed, when the enemies were closing in, and even when God seemed distant, David turned to God and he prayed. He prayed some of the most honest and beautiful prayers found in Scripture. In verse 3, David says, consider and answer me. Consider can be translated as look at me, a direct contrast to verse 1 where he feels like God is hiding his face. Now he says, please stop hiding your face and look at me. David asks God to light up his eyes. David knows that God's truth will bring light to his eyes. David is seeking God's perspective here. Light up my eyes, Lord, so that I can see things from your perspective. David goes on to say, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Here, David wasn't only asking for deliverance from his enemies. He was asking God to save face here too. His enemies wouldn't only rejoice over David's defeat, but over God's defeat as well. And David didn't want God to be mocked or made to look powerless. When we feel like God is silent in our life, sometimes we think the silence will last forever. But we can't live in the how long. Even if God doesn't answer right away, we need to move on to the next part of David's psalm, the praise, where we rely on trust in God. Let's look at the next section. In verse 5, David says, David says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Salvation can be translated here as deliverance. I will rejoice in your deliverance, he says. I know it's coming. I can look back on my life and see your hand, your steadfast love, your continued deliverance. I will trust in that. Here David is remembering who God is. He's resting on what he knows of God and what God has done in his life. If you remember, by this time, David had already uh, defeated Goliath. Talk about deliverance. David had no chance by earthly standards. He walked out to take on the champion of the Philistines, the giant Goliath, without even the normal armor and shield that would have been standard at the time. But he won because of God's strength. Because of God's deliverance. David is reminding himself that God has been good to him. He is replaying the times in his head when God has delivered him. This is a good practice for us too. By remembering who God is and what he's done in our life, these truths will carry us through the seasons of silence. When David says, my heart will rejoice in your salvation, we must remember that this also leads us to the cross. God's salvation in Jesus, and, uh, I'm sorry, God's salvation culminates in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, which saves us from our sins. When David says, My heart will rejoice in, in your salvation, this is a praise that we can cry out too, because the salvation that David is rejoicing over has been offered to us. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this salvation, this saving grace, is given to you freely. We can rejoice with David in God's steadfast love and his salvation. Now, in verse 6, this practice of remembering the truth about who God is causes David to burst into praise. He says in verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David, having come full circle out of the despair of his lament, feeling like God was far away, is now moved to praise. I know your steadfast love. I've seen it. My heart rejoices in your deliverance. God, you are good to me. I love how David comes full circle in this psalm from despair to prayer to praise. When we are praying through a season of silence, we often wonder where God is and why he seems to be staying silent. I know I have, we know David has. But is God silent or is there more going on? I wanna talk a little bit about the reasons why God might remain silent or appear silent regarding our petitions and prayers. First, I want you to know that God's timing and his eternal purposes do not always coincide with ours. It's good good for us to get that through our heads now. (laughs) We must remember that God sees the big picture and his plan is perfect. Sometimes our prayers are in direct opposition to his plans. No wonder he would remain silent. His plans take precedence over ours. Second, we are not always fit or ready to receive the answers to our prayers. Sometimes we need to go through testing or learning or experiences that prepare us for the answer that we're seeking. As we were raising support to come here to Ireland, it took six very long years. I often wondered why God was waiting so long to get us here. But in those years of waiting, God used that time to prepare us, to uh, teach us for what he had for us here. I was mentored and ordained by our home church in Colorado. I had opportunities to preach, to lead worship, to do pastoral ministry which helped me to be more prepared for the work that I was meant to do here. Looking back, God got us here exactly when he should have got us here. Third, delay helps us clarify what we really need and purifies our motives. As we pray, our hearts are conformed to God's heart and what is important to him becomes important to us. Sometimes we pray with the wrong motives. God sees through that. And he makes us wait so that our hearts can be changed in the process. Sometimes we pray for things that would be ultimately bad for us. And God, as a loving father, says no, because he knows what's best for us. Fourth, persistence in prayer is part of the fellowship process. When we persist in prayer, we are talking to God on a regular basis. More than anything, God wants fellowship with us. Even if God is silent, the continuing conversation, even though seemingly one-sided, affirms the relationship. Fifth, delay builds character, patience, and trust. Persistence in prayer builds our, our faith and our trust, and that in turn builds our character, but it also builds our patience. In Galatians 5, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And we know when uh, Pastor Jason leads worship that the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut, right? (laughs) But we do know that one of those fruits is patience. The more we persist in prayer by faith, the more patience is built within us, making us more and more like Jesus. Lastly, sometimes Satan can be involved in what appears to be a delay. If you remember this story in Daniel 10, Daniel is praying and fasting for three weeks. He wanted to know the future of God's people, but for three weeks there was no answer until one day an angelic messenger finally arrives to answer Daniel's prayer and explains that he was held up for 21 days by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This appears to describe an evil angelic being or demon who was keeping the angel from answering Daniel's prayer until Michael, who is the archangel and protector of Israel, is finally called into the fight. Here we get a glimpse into the unseen world of spiritual warfare. Satan and his demons were keeping an angel from bringing an answer to Daniel. What we can take from this is that it is entirely possible, though not always the case, that God's delays are due to this unforeseen heavenly war that is occurring around us. Now that we've traveled through David's psalm and we've talked about the reasons why God might be silent in our life for a season, let's talk about how we can learn from David and, uh, and Psalm 13 and apply these things to our own seasons of silence. My first application point is this, we should remain persistent in prayer because it tests and reinforces our faith. In Hebrews 11:9, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Praying through the silence of God is a great way to exercise those faith muscles. Just as David cried out to God in desperation and eventually rested on what he knew about God and his steadfast love, we too must exercise that same level of faith. Second, persistent praying grows our maturity. James says in James 1, uh, 3-4 that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, which leads us to maturity in our walk with God. When we pray through the silence we are growing in faith and growing in maturity. At times God has us wait in silence for him to build up our character, our trust, and to increase our knowledge of him. During those seasons of silence God works on our perceptions of him and what we believe communicating with him should look like. When it feels like God isn't speaking to us You should study his word and learn from the relatable lives of believers who lived before us. My third application point is this. Persevering through the silence keeps us focused on God. Never once in Psalm 13 did David take his eyes off God. Did you notice that? He cried out to God. He petitioned God and he praised God. His eyes were always focused on God the entire time. When we pray through a season of silence, it is good to keep our eyes steadfastly focused on God. Sometimes, God allows silence or difficulty in our life because it forces us to rely more deeply on Him. My fourth point, praying through the silence checks our priorities and our desires. What is most important to us? If it's important, we will come to the foot of the Father on a regular basis and bring our requests. I read in a Philip Yancey's book, Prayer, that his kids asked for things all the time. And he usually didn't listen intently to them at first, chalking it up to a whim or a passing fancy. Kids tend to make a lot of requests. But if they continuously bugged him about it, he knew that it must be important to them. And that's when he began to listen intently. Like the story of the persistent widow in Luke 18, when we continuously come to God with the same request, It shows him that it's important to us, that it's a priority to us. Sometimes God needs to see that in us before he'll answer. Plus, the more we pray, I love this, the more we pray, the more our desires align with God's desires. As the saying goes, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. Lastly, when we feel like God is silent, we should examine our own life. Begin by asking yourself if there's any unconfessed sin in your life that may be blocking you from hearing from God. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any reason within yourself that might be causing you to not hear God clearly in your life. When we choose sin, we choose the consequences that go with that sin. And one of those consequences is broken relationship with God. Unconfessed sin gets in the way of our having a deeper relationship with God. If you find yourself in this situation, confess your sins to God and make the changes to avoid that sin with God's help. All that we've talked about today begs this question, how does God speak to us? Before I close, I want to make sure we answer that for those of you who might be wondering. First and foremost, God speaks to us through his word. The Bible is God's Word and it contains everything we need to know about how to be saved and how to live a Christian life. We should be immersing ourselves in God's Word on a daily basis. Sometimes God speaks to us through events and He can guide us by arranging our circumstances. God allows events to occur in our lives to direct us, to change us, and to help us grow spiritually. God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us through our conscience and helps us to discern right from wrong and convict us of sins that need addressing. God might speak to people audibly, but we must remember from the Bible that this was the exception and not the rule. As God used prophets and ultimately Jesus to reveal more about who he is, the need for him to speak audibly and one-on-one to people diminished. We now have the full revelation about who God is in Jesus, which is recorded in Scripture. You need to be immersing yourself in Scripture and be sure that you are actively attending a church that preaches the Bible and helps you to understand and interpret Scripture correctly. Also, pray for wisdom to discern God's direction in your life, whether it's through Scripture, circumstances, or through the Holy Spirit. To conclude today, I want to speak directly to those of you who might be going through a season of silence from God. First, I want you to understand the difference between silence and absence. Although God may seem silent, I want you to take heart that God is still there. He still cares, and He is still active in the world and in your life. God gives us seasons of silence to grow us and change us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. He gives us seasons of silence because the timing of what we're praying for isn't right. God is still answering your prayers, but maybe he's saying no or not yet. Sometimes he gives us a season of silence because our prayers aren't aligned with his will or his plan. As we have discussed today, God is always there and he is always listening When you wait during a season of silence, you can't see God working, but he is still working. For us to fulfill our God-intended purpose, there may be episodes of silence where God asks us to trust him for what comes next. Sometimes Christians are at a loss when life seems meaningless and God doesn't seem near. When God seems absent, you should never trust your doubts. During the darkest times when God seems far away, focus more on God. Continue your spiritual journey as you always have. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praising God. And continue to remember the times when God has done something amazing in your life. As we think about a season of silence from God, I want you to remember Holy Saturday. Jesus died on Friday, then was buried He rested on the tomb on Saturday, but he was resurrected on Sunday. The silence of Holy Saturday is a great reminder that the silence of God does not equal the absence of God. God may be silent, but he is not absent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we trust you. When we don't feel your presence, we trust that you are there, caring for us and guiding us. When we don't hear your voice, we know that you continue to care for us and that you are always there. When we don't see answers to prayers, we trust in your timing and your purpose. We know that you are a good father who wants the best for us. Help us to trust you and to rely on you. Use these seasons to shape us into the likeness of your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.